Babylon, Culture Contrarian. This is Ryan Miller. First of all, I'm hoping everybody is having a blessed day. Not necessarily getting what they deserve, but appreciative of what they have received. <coughs> I apologize, it's been a while since I've been live on my podcast. And a lot of things have transpired over the past couple of weeks relative to the the things that I've been engaged in with a federal complaint, um, a preliminary hearing, and um, other legal matters which are percolating around the periphery. And I wanted to provide kind of an update, but I don't want to be too detailed in the update, because I do know that um, nefarious, oath-breaking individuals are trolling my social media accounts. They're trolling my TikTok channel, which is, if, if you understand anything about me and if you listen to me to speak, that I'm, I'm a person that believes in grace and mercy, and I spoke about that the other night. I firmly declared my foundation of which I declared to know and have access to truth. I, I shared about that. And that to the repentant heart, I'm willing to extend that grace. But... um in defiance and digging in to shield their lies, which I understand the court for public servants doesn't use the word lie. They use the words misrepresentation, misstatements, mischaracterizations. But for you and I, the, the, the common slaves of, of this country we live in, we are attributed to being held accountable to a lie. And we're not afforded the grace of a mischaracterization, misstatement, or misrepresentation. So I understand the dichotomy and the burdens that I have as a law-abiding citizen. And I understand that ignorance of the law is not a defense of the law in the court of law. And I have a tremendous burden beyond that of public servants that I need to know the law. And Graham versus Connor says it's not reasonable for public servants to know all of the laws which they're supposed to follow comply or enforce it's kind of kind of backwards in our system but but we can just look up to the the unelected appointed black robed individuals and and tip our hats to them and saying thanks for this additional burden that you put upon the citizens is to isolate and elevate those in authority thank you i understand that your calling biblically was to protect the citizens from the evil acts of the evildoers. And as you take an oath as a public servant, you raise your hand in fear and trembling of God to honor your oath to protect and defend the constitution of your commonwealth or your state and the constitution of the United States. In toto, inclusive of those Bill of Rights as being clearly established and recognized. Now it's up to us, we the people, to know how to lawfully stand when we want to choose to claim those rights and be free from the oppression permissions that are arbitrarily established by those in authority to have us submit, surrender, comply to their desires. Again, I understand it. And I'm respectful of those in authority when they act lawfully when they act lawfully, in full accord with their sworn oath and duties. I also understand the culture that resides within public service and that 
They're just doing their job, folks. They're just doing their job. And just like us, we just need to do our job. And we make decisions and now we do our job to ensure we're going to get that paycheck to put the food on the table and the roof over our heads and the clothing and the vacations we desire. So we're going to do it for that paycheck. We're also going to try to exceed so we have the ability to get a promotion. We all do that. If we don't separate ourselves from everyone else, we may not get that promotion. So we want to get the paycheck. We want to get the promotion. But one thing that's different for public servants is that they have this benefit of a pension. And then they want to do things to protect and increase the benefits in their pension. Now, not many common citizens have a pension. That's something that they have to do on their own. They have to set up their own retirement through 401ks and Roths and things of that nature. So we are all united as humans that we want to obtain that financial security, whatever that means, to provide for our families and our children and our grandchildren. So if you have followed me, you've seen me attempt to stand firmly, respectfully, professionally, but yes, assertively. I I want to be assertive. And as I mentioned the other night, the Supreme Court tells us that we, when we encounter public servants that are acting outside their sworn authority, that we have to correct them. We have to correct them and make them aware of where their limits of authority are and give them the opportunity to correct. But the Supreme Court tells us the manner in which we need to do that. And they use a word which I don't necessarily align with. They use the word belligerent. And here's a reason why I won't act myself in a belligerent manner. Because I understand humans. And humans in authority, when you confront them with belligerence, it is perceived and received as a contempt for their authority. Now, sometimes they will act in aggression as a response to their perception of a contempt. While it is never in my intent to be contemptuous of their authority, I just want to help them understand the limits of their authority. Now, as a volunteerist and as a non-aggression principled person, I will not aggress against another human being. I just won't do it. I will turn my cheek. I will bend my neck. I will turn around and put my hands behind my back and submit to the violence that is inherent in our system. And I understand that we cannot reason with a public official in the public domain because they are trained to maintain control over us and they have tactics and training on how to ensure that they dominate, establish dominion over citizens. Now, some of those tools, tactics, and training also have limits. These are codified in common law that they cannot threaten, intimidate, coerce, duress, or affect any violence on us. They cannot falsely imprison us, which means block our ability to move or leave. They can't do that. They can't touch you 
They can't threaten you with violence, and they can't surround you with more people with weapons to intimidate you, to put you in a fight-or-flight cir- circumstances that your, your emotions and your, your physiological response is fear. And it's a legitimate fear when you have individuals who, under, under the authority, are equipped with multiple elements to cause you harm and the latitude to state something such as, I fear for my safety, and they're able to unholster a gun. And whether they elevate the position from being pointed down the ground or pointed towards you or towards with a taser or pull out, which the officer likes to call handcuffs, but what they really are are pain compliance devices to establish dominion over you to arrest your movement. You are in their custody. You are no longer a free human. Your custody has been acquired by the state actor. So as I am navigating the political, procedural, legal milieu, I'm seeing a tremendous amount of things happen. And I want to reiterate and validate that I, as the plaintiff, have never, ever desired to take this into the court of man. Never. If you were to go through all of my objective record of communication, you will see that is a consistent theme. I've never said anything disparaging other than the behavior which is based upon false statements. I am going to call out false statements. You see me talking to the officer and she wanted me to shut up as she was making statements that were incorrect. Her statements were that I needed permission from the board to advocate on behalf of the citizens. And I responded to that and I interrupted her. And the reason I interrupted her because I needed to inform her that she was making a misstatement. I don't require anyone's permission to exercise my First Amendment right for myself or on behalf of someone else. That was a misstatement. But you could see in her response that she was agitated. She wanted to establish that dominion and control over me, and I needed to correct her misstatement respectfully, professionally, but I wasn't going to let her lie take root. So my message has been I never wanted to take this to federal court. And all of my attempts to reason with unreasonable people have been rebuked and rejected. Not only that, they've been converted into a crime. And the reason there are 80-plus and growing defendants in this federal claim is because more people participated in this conspiracy to convert a constitutionally protected right secured under the Fourth Amendment to as a limit or as a restriction or as a condition to exercise my First Amendment free speech, that's, a, that's called prior restraint. It's clearly established law. And I have attempted to provide multiple forms of communication to inform them of what the law says. I've provided them with case law. I provided them with the information on 42 U.S.C. 1983. And for every attempt that I t- try to be reasonable, I have no faith 
trust that they're going to read anything and acknowledge they read it. I have no faith. I can hope that these are reasonable people that when they're appropriately informed and they confirm they've received this information, that they've read it. But in the steel man type of argument, I can't assume that they've read it. I have to provide every reasonable opportunity to inform them. And I think I've done that to the excess of the criterion which any judge would determine reasonableness in accordance with Graham versus Connor. So my intentions have been pure, not vindictive. I just desire accountability. And honestly, folks, at the end of the day, there's only one answer that I am truly seeking. Is our Constitution dead? Because this journey has always been educational. One, for me, in quest in getting that answer. Are we truly slaves of public servants and our constitutional rights have been completely eviscerated and that we're obligated to surrender, consent, comply, and bend our neck in every circumstance to the state? So those that are professing a Romans 13 approach to submitting to the authority or the interpretation of 1 Peter 2.13 through 15 or all the way down to 25, just submit to that authority. I claim that, is this a just authority? Ask yourself, are we standing before a legal system, a judicial system, a public servant system, which is honorable and just in honoring their oath before God to the Constitution? I submit to you, that the evidence before me, and I would suggest the evidence before you, that our system is not just, and that while the system was designed and the authority which God grants our submission to is to a just authority to protect us from the actions and acts of the evildoers. And as I said the other night, what if the evildoers are those that have now occupied that of authority? What is our biblical calling to do that? So for those people that, that proudly sit in the, the sanctuary under a, a pastor which complain, um, proclaims that you submit to the authority, be consistent, folks. Stop going into the schools and doing your three-minute speeches about the things which you object the authority to doing codified in policy and guidelines. Stop it. Get back into your lane, go back into your sanctuary, obey your pastor, and stop rebelling against the authority because you don't like it because you're a hypocrite. You're a whitewashed gravestone. You're a hypocrite. While you do have these constitutional rights, you don't have the right to exercise them if you are going to claim submission to this authority. Do it in totality. Recognize your hypocrisy or admit that you're living the life of an asterisk that says, do as I say, not as I do, that I'm going to obey my pastor when I'm sitting in the sanctuary, but I'm going to walk out and be of the world and I'm going to join the rally of people that are going to be talking about transgender policies. That's not obedient to God. 
It's not obedient to your pastor when you're confronting the authority. Get back in your lane and submit. Those words sound harsh, but I do that in Christian love. Understand your hypocrisy or understand that you have created a double standard that you're clouding in your own self-righteousness and justification and rationalization that's in defiance of the command which you are supposed to be obedient through your pastor's reading of Scripture. I'm reluctant to step out into public to speak before people. I will not get a meeting with a pastor that's in charge of a flock of 2,000 people. They don't want my voice in there because they need the noses and the nickels to keep coming and the felt needs message. And biblical truth that I speak is cutting. Continue with the loud music that you have to offer headphones for people to come in. Background music playing when you emotionally tugging music while people are standing at the pulpit reading something. The smoke machines, the theater, the Hillsong expression. Get into God's word. Read it word by word, verse by verse. Exegete it. Stop narsegeting it. My name is not in that book. That book is instructions for me. My name was never written in it. And I'm not going to be my best David. Because I'm not David. I'm Ryan. With full awareness of my wicked, wretched depravity. And I rebel against it. I understand it exists. It's its core to my DNA. The divine spark inside of me from the Shazam moment of God's creation where I just wound up being the, the joining of two cells, a sperm and, and an ovary, or pardon me, sperm and an egg. When those two join, that spark happens. Light is emitted when that sperm penetrates that egg. It's energy. And that divine spark formed in me with the willingness and the access to know the source of that creative moment. I have a book that can help me learn God's law and how I fail miserably in the full illumination of God's law. But that story's not done because there's a piece called grace, which is unmerited favor, which I've received. I took that gift, that Christmas present, and I took it into my possession and I unwrapped it and I opened it and I've covered myself in it. And my only verification that I am cloaked in that gift that I've received is commensurate with the evidence of the fruit that others can see it. So my journey is one is a self journey to me in honor of my creator. And I have failed miserably along that journey. Oh my gosh, if I failed miserably, but I am a wicked, wretched person. So me expecting I would do anything else but fail is an illusion. I failed in my duties as a husband. I failed in my duties as a father, as a son, as a brother. I can look with full awareness and admission that, man, I've messed up. 
I've done some things which have been good and meritorious to advance my ability to claim freedom. And what I've experienced is just a taste of the violence inherent in the system, the conspiracy of other wicked humans to convert my actions, my lawful actions, into a criminal act. The web of conspiracy continues to be spun out of control. Now, there's a portion of people that have taken my claim and have reviewed it according to the law and are providing a lawful response. They're accepting the waiver of service. They're registering the legal representation for notices to appear. There's a portion of people that are doing that according to the law. But there's a portion of people that are going to remain defiant. And as I posted on my Facebook wall and I made some educational information, as I do, regarding 18 USC, 42 U.S.C. 19, uh, 1983. And I provided some scholarly information for those that continue to want to troll my social media and say, listen, I, I'm pointing to the water, folks. I'm pointing to the water. And if you choose to ignore the water, you're just dehydrating your soul in your own self-defiance. That's all. I can't res be responsible for quenching a thirst where you're not expressing any thirst or desire to know. And again, I have no ability to claim justice. None whatsoever. There is no just measurement for me because I'm not living among just authoritarians. So for me, Romans 13 doesn't exist. I'm having the evidence to show it doesn't exist. But what I'm still trying to do is to see if this, this federal court has any just humans and bring all of these actions into man's law and allow man to make the decision, I'm going to evaluate this justly or not. And again, as I said, my answer is, is the Constitution dead? What I may arrive finding is that for all the efforts that I've done in studying and research and application and, and documenting and attempting to be free, the court would say, Mr. Miller, you were not reasonable enough. So we can't award you anything because your efforts were not reasonable enough and you had to take these additional steps. Would have been great to know those additional steps in advance, but assume I didn't know them. So then I arrive at a place for myself that I will look and say, could I have known or could I accomplish those additional steps in the hopes that it would be evaluated correctly the next time that I would receive justice? And then I have to balance that bound the amount of energy that I did thus far to get to the point that I arrive at. And that's a personal decision because that's this is about my fight to be free. But let's put it in the lens of you wanting to be free. Do you expect me to go th to this degree of effort on behalf of anyone else other than me? 
particularly when I'm being so, so hated and despised and thrown so much negative energy and nobody wants to contribute to this answer other than a small group of people, a small group of people. On should you expect me to do it for the benefit of you who I don't even know? You don't talk to me. You troll me. You don't interact with me. You don't even acknowledge I exist. So is it reasonable that you should expect me to do what I'm doing for your benefit? My friend Joe Bennett said, not anymore. You don't want it? Why would you think you deserve it? On the backs of my effort. On the back of my effort. He came to the answer and said no. I'm doing it for myself to model for others to see the effort that's involved to be free. So at the end of the rainbow, it's possible that I will find that the Constitution is dead. And I will roll up my knapsack, strap it off my back, walk out of the court, go home and say, Hun, this is not where I thought we were. I didn't want to be here. And we'll have the conversation as to how we will deal with next steps. And those are all personal. That's nobody's business. What I choose to do and where I choose to go doesn't matter. But at least I've made the answer available. So the funny thing is about everything that I'm doing is in the public domain now. Now I shouldn't say everything. This is a matter of public record. People can go and get the federal complaint. They can see who's responding and the letters of response. You will be able to see as I move forward the nature of the information that I will be putting out and in the manner which I will be putting it out and how I will continue to extend grace. Continue. This is all education. It's my learning being presented in a way for others to learn. I can't learn it for anyone. I can provide it to be available to be consumed, but honestly, I have very little hopes that this case will be read or consumed by anyone. Why? Because I'm a neuroatypical. And people will say, I don't understand, it's over my head. And that's the rationalization to not dive in because, oh, it's too much. I can't deal with it. And labeling that I am such a strange person that I won't communicate with them. Well, that's a lie. That's a, that's a straw man argument to put put the burden on me that I'm something's wrong with me, that I'm an untouchable. It's a lie. I'd make myself available for conversation and clarification. And I say, if I say something you don't understand, freaking raise your hand and say, Ryan, I don't understand what you said. Absolutely. Maybe I need an interpreter. And I've asked for interpreters, and many times I've used them. My friend Tony and my friend Michael have been valuable interpreters for me. Steve, not so much. <laughs> Steve and I are in our own wavelength. But this journey is going to be continued documented. And I have videos that are in the hopper for production and sharing 
that have to be time released that I have to crest critical milestones. I said in a public speaking event that this is like a Intergraph or, or a SAP or a Microsoft Project Gantt chart with dependencies, interdependencies, and timelines and milestones. And that sounds Greek, but for those that are in technology, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you know the tools and powers of a mind map and how things have to be connected with those dependencies and interdependencies with critical milestones. And then when I hit a milestone and I take action on that milestone as a deliverable, there's more things further down the project plan in the Gantt chart that have other milestone events and it they have dependencies. As an example, my federal complaint has had two attempts at service. And there was a date that there was a date that was on September 19th that was for service and there was one on an October 6th. The September 19th attempt of service was declined. And I could have had a, a for that September 19th date of service that could have had an expiration date of October 16th. And I could have enacted something on October 16th, but I didn't. That was a 30-day for, window for waiver of, waiver of service receipt. So they refused service. I could have put a trigger in, in place on October 19th, but I didn't. I didn't. I shifted all those people in their abject defiance, and I changed the date on them, and I started another service on October 6th which has a November 6th deadline. Well, I lumped everybody in on that October 6th. And a portion of people, a good portion of the people, have responded, acknowledged their waiver of service, have gone and got the appropriate legal counsel, and have assigned the notice of peer on behalf of counsel. But then you have the, the stalwart holdouts that are just being, this is not real, this is, we're going to just defy, 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 and that's fine. I can't make anybody do anything. So, I had October 6th, which had a deadline of November 6th. So, when that November 6th timeline ticks over, all of those people that are defiant have raised their hands and said, we don't appreciate the grace that you gave us. We're just going to dig our heels in and I'll be like, totally fine. When you do that, all you've done is said, I've raised my hand that I'm going to say to the court that I am de denying the grace extended by the plaintiff and we're going to personally pay for the court to facilitate official service. So the court will arrange to get a process server to show up to all of those defiant individuals, homes, places of business, and provide official service. And that will just push the date back to December. If they continue to be defiant and run away from the process server, well, the court has an answer for that as well. Again, I can't make any, anybody do anything I'm just putting it before man's justice and allow man's justice to work its way through. So I wanted to give you this little 
bit of information to let you know I'm still alive. I'm still battling the medical things that are always before me and they, they ebb and flow and <laughs> at different magnitude. And um, those people that are near and dear know what that's like. And I will continue to post relevant educational information on my social channels. I invite you to connect with me. Go look at my TikTok channel. Go to my Facebook page. Go to my YouTube channel. I post them in the liner notes of every broadcast. And I have an email address there as well. I, I have a Give, Send, Go campaign. And you've heard me previously speak that if you do not have the resources, I don't want your resources. I don't. I appreciate a cup of coffee recognition for the things that I'm doing. But if that cup of coffee is better spent elsewhere, amen. And I've said previously, instead of contributing to me, contribute to rescuing those babies that are being slaughtered across our country. And be the kind of person that you could stand on the steps of our state capitol when asked the question, how many have held a baby that they've rescued from being aborted, that you could raise your hand. There's nothing more powerful than the emotion that you've saved another human being particularly an innocent, voiceless infant. But at the same time, I would benefit from financial support to assist this endeavor. But do not believe the charlatan, false authoritarians that make statements that I'm doing this to raise money because that's a lie. Hear it from my words. I don't want your money. It would be helpful whatever portion that you could send to me to help fight those people in authority. I went and did a public speaking event this past, just the other day. And they were kind enough to raise money for my travel and my time to speak before them, which was very appreciative. Oh my gosh, it was so appreciative and it was supportive and it was loving on my family. And I came home and I, I shared with my wife. They asked me if they could write a check. Who would they write a check to? And I said, write it to my wife. Because I'm transparent with the finances with my wife. She's the ruler of the financial roost. But I had a conversation that next morning. And I went to the person that hosted that event. And I said, listen, Mike, thank you so much. I'm so thankful for the rebuilding and rekindling of our relationship. That was fantastic. Very thankful for that. And the true authenticity and emotion tied to that reconnection was powerful. After I was done speaking, that group prayed over me, which was another gift. I sent a photo of that to my daughter, and she was so pleased. But I spoke to Mike the next morning, and I said, Mike, I want to acknowledge what these folks did and that I want to do something back. That you know that my PMA membership and all that education inside of it, is it, there's a cost for it. But every donation dollar that I got from those people, I'm going to give back. And I'm going to put money on top of it because they showed a level of insincerity and commitment and interest to start to connect with me. So I reduced the price by giving what they donated to me back to them as a savings to learn more, to learn more. So these 
red herring straw man on the edge of ad hominem attacks from individuals such as Brian Fox. I have no problem stating your name because your name is on the public record. You reading statements into the record, which you're trying to elude, they come from some authority, but I don't know that they do, that they may have been own, your own words falsely representing the law. I don't know. You may want to hit the pause button, Mr. Fox, and others that sit on that board, and get on your knees and pray and repent. Because once you start reading the laws and the codes, justice is where you're heading for. And you've been warned and warned and warned and warned. And it's not me administering or delivering justice. It's not. I may make some requests of the court that are going to be uncomfortable for you. You sent me to jail. You sent me to jail under color of law. You took my freedom away. You took away my access to my family. And all of those 80 people, when Deb Ryan slammed that door shut and took my request to lawfully speak before you and converted it into a crime, you're all part of that conspiracy to put me in jail and to put this process upon me. I'm in man's justice system myself right now. I don't know how that will play out. I believe the law is on my side, but I don't know if I'm entering into a, joy, a just court of law or just court of equity or a just judge or a just district attorney. I don't know. It will be documented and it will be shared. We will see. I'm okay walking into man's justice system standing on truth and the law. Hopefully you are as well. Stop running and hiding from it. Embrace it. You swore an oath to it. Embrace it. Man up. So I'm going to wrap this up. I invite you to connect with me on my social channels. I would very much like the opportunity to meet with John Q. Citizen and have a conversation with them in public, kind of what I did the other night to those that have ears that want to hear and listen and afford you the ability to ask your questions, to get the clarification for the things that I say that you don't understand and allow people to interpret it for you if I can't be clear enough. And go on the journey to seek truth. If you want to stay in your lane and do your petitions and get in your little prayer circles and do your three-minute speeches, amen to that. Amen to that. Because I understand the power of prayer is just like those people in sub-Saharan Africa who've been living through a drought are praying to God for the rains to come and the floodwaters to come. I get the power of prayer. But I'm in a tribe all by myself. And God may rain in my area, provide the water, but he has given me a shovel and that I am to toil and use my back and my arms and my voice and my mind in labor 
and not put everything in the domain of God and 100% reliance upon him because he has gifted us. Yes, prayer is incredibly powerful and I would never undermine or devalue it. And I say, yes, do it and more. Do it plus. Put the word prayer in parentheses and determine are you willing to use your back, your mind, and your voice as an exponent above the prayer equation. Is my exponent a two, a three, or four to magnify the validity of my request of God to intervene and provide that rain? What am I doing to take care of the soil on my own? Am I willing to get an IBC container and load it up in a pickup truck and go down to the creek and fill it up with water and bring it up and five-gallon buckets to fill that container to drive it back to water my garden? Or am I just going to keep praying that it's going to rain? Somebody shows up and drops that IBC container off in your yard. What do you do? Oh, that's interesting. Are you going to collect the rain? Get the gutters to fill up the IBC container? Or are you just going to rely upon only the rain to solve the problem? Again, the prayer equation. Do you want to put an exponent? Is your exponent one and that it's just redundant? Or are you going to amplify it with a two, three, four, or more? I don't know. I have no idea. You have to reconcile that for yourself. And understand where you're sitting. Are you sitting inside of a community which is parroting that and enabling that kind of thinking? Or are you sitting among an audience that says, there's more to be done? Maybe your first step is that three-minute speech to an audience which has got their hands over their ears going, la, 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 and you ask questions repeatedly, and you're like, why aren't they answering my questions? On what basis do you expect them to answer your question? What obligates them to answer your question? Well, a reasonable person would. I agree. So why are you assuming they can be reasonable people? Well, they should be honoring their oath. I agree. Why do you expect they should be honoring their oath? What obligates them to honor their oath? See, these questions are ones we don't want to ask ourselves because it requires work. It requires study. It requires toil. And it's easier to get your endorphin rush by sitting down for three minutes and uttering a very beautiful, powerful, well-pointed speech in love, in grace, with with the, the... the protection of prayer that you're praying for the leaders and you're recognizing and respecting those in leadership. Are you respecting honorable people, God-fearing people? Or you got, are you respecting and honoring sinful man? These are questions that require a level of digging and self-introspection. But If you're busy watching Yellowstone and scrolling through TikTok, I'm not expecting you to do some self-examination. I think you're going to gravitate towards the bread and circuses and celebrating the Phillies or watching the Daryl Brooks trial. Continue consuming and be distracted. What I say is detestable among men. But anyway, I invite you to join, to consume, to listen, to interact, to ask questions. And you know what? I have no problem telling me, you telling me, I'm wrong. 
because the only basis in which I can declare being true is in the light of being willing to risk that I'm wrong. And I'm just going to ask you to show me the evidence, demonstrate where I am wrong. Bring it to me. Allow me to examine it. I want to critically and logically evaluate that information, which would cause me to, as in Stephen Crowder says, change my mind. Here's the wonderful thing about being a human. I recognize that over my lifetime, I've made mistakes and I've had the ability to change my mind. How wonderful and freeing is that? Because I'm not some perfect being. But I don't just readily roll over and saying I'm wrong. I need to have an objective standard with evidence, observable, repeatable, documentable evidence that I can reconcile and think critically and reason through to arrive at the destination that I'm wrong. And my friends, that's the best way to sharpen my sword is being willing and vulnerable and risk being wrong in the light of God's truth. So, if you find it in your heart to support, great. Thanks. I appreciate it. If not, send it to my friends that are at the pregnancy center to help save those babies. That's a, that's a gift as well. Consume all the free stuff I have out there. Be open to the possibility that there's things that I have saying in private are way deeper than what I'm saying in public. I don't mean deeper. I mean the breadth of information that's available in private. is It's private for a reason. Because I can't say it in public. I can't bring my voice into public domain. Because I'm already censored. I'm already shadow banned. I'm already blocked. People don't want to hear what I have to say. And that's fine. Get away from me. Go stay in your tribe. I was saying that these groups, all these groups out there, the the Moms for Liberty, the free PA groups, these these groups on social media. I'm like Paul Washer walk, walking into speak before several thousand kids at a at a youth sermon at a youth youth camp. I would have that opportunity once, because what I'm doing is I'm addressing you, and nobody wants to have the light, the spotlight shined in their face. And again, I don't do it from judgment. You get to judge yourselves. I, I judge myself. Everything that comes out of my mouth is based by my own analysis, self-critical, pulling apart my core. And man, is that painful. So everything that you hear come out of my mouth is at a direct admission, my recognition, awareness of my hypocrisy and my sinful nature and how I try to strive and rebel against it to honor my God to honor my wife and my daughter. And my wife and daughter will tell you that I have messed up repeatedly. So never view anything that I say or you hear me say as a judgment of you because I stand guilty at a higher degree than you ever would with what I say. I'm guilty before God and my wife and my daughter way more than anything that you could judge yourself based upon coming out of my mouth. So I'm the worm more than you could possibly be the worm. So my voice is a a self-condemnation of me. You're receiving it and applying it to yourself. That's your head trash. Go get therapy for that because I'm not judging you. So please participate, contribute, interact, 
ask, I'm here. More to come. Thanks for listening to Modern Babylon Culture Contrarian. Put this in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. Take care until next time. Stay blessed and highly favored. TTT, be tough on yourselves, tender towards others, and always remain teachable. Take care.